This is way right. I mean, this is way right. This is wow. 100 yards right. Two perfect shots, Michael. Got me in the water on one and over the green on the other. The ball itself has its own energy or life force, if you will. Its natural environment is in the hole. So why don't you send them home? His bags are packed. He's got his airplane tickets. Bring him to the airport. Welcome back to the Break 80 podcast. Thanks for tuning in to episode 83. Stouts here and my co-hosts Mike and Tim have joined me this week to not only talk about an array of topics from the golf world, in which there are many, but to help understand this climate that we currently are in. Um, you two have an outdoor tea time this weekend and we live in Minnesota. How is that possible? We uh, Wait, you're, not, to- you're not coming? Uh, I can't. What are you oh, doing? He, he's got youth basketball coaching. The oh youth of goodness. America. We slap the floor in fifth grade. We slap the floor. We get in the oh stands. Oh, my God. Right? We slap the floor. We get in the stands. Tim and I have to come. How many tournaments are left? We got to get Tim. <laughs> after we golf on Saturday, we should have a few beers. Where, where are you playing at? Uh, we play at um, my oldest daughter's at Waconia. Right. Not that far away, Tim, from where we're golfing. Yep. And then my Perfect. youngest one is at... Uh, Benilde St. Margaret's. Oh, also on, on your way back to your it's house. It's on the way. Yeah, we, it's might on the have way. To, we might have to break this down just so America can get video of. I got Jeff pictured as kind of the, the really into it dad coach. It's just into it, just barking at kids. You know, <laughs> just just ad, just admonishing them that every other chance he can get for that for poor effort or whatever. No, it's just <laughs> my own kid. That's, that's the way I want to really bark. That's how, but that's how it is, though. If you're so like my dad was was the my varsity basketball coach and he hardly ever got after anybody else it, i could have been so far away from somebody screwing up and it was somehow still coming back on me because it was <laughs> it was just easier to yell at me than it was to yell at everybody else no mike you played college basketball do you think that helped you knowing that somebody oh. else parking at you doesn't really bother you anymore helped me 100 percent because when you get to college i mean the coaches are going to bark at everybody and some people they talk back or then they're just out of there gone unless they're incredibly talented there's always a there's always like a level where if you're really really good you can uh you can do that and get away with it but if you're not then they'll just send you packing usually uh so i was always a a yes sir whatever i was getting yelled at you know <laughs> or something like that i was never talking back oh it's good to know why you guys deal with me just a generational talent over here you have to keep around <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just but this can't week, get rid of me God, we got to hope, hoping this timing works out too. We got to go check this out. <laughs> so speaking of Saturday, you guys are playing. Have you guys ever played golf in January? It'll be February. Oh, it'll be February, Saturday. Oh, that's right. But they're opening up in January. They're opening up right now this week. Like they're, they're opening. Yeah, it, there were courses open today. Well, it hit, it hit 50 in Minneapolis today at 230 something. It was 50 degrees. So yeah, I don't think I'll. I have never played in January. It's the only month, and I, with work and everything, I I won't be able to. Although it would have been easily doable this week. There's a bunch of courses open, so. But you know, whatever. I, I don't know, Mike. You look kind of sick. I'm looking at yeah, you. Yeah, right? really got the sickness you look coming on. Pale. Yeah, a little it's a pretty sick day. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, we got lots to golf to talk about. Uh, you know, let's start with the farmers. The the farmers at Torrey Pines. Is it the last of it, the farmers? Is what is that one of them that's gone away? One there might be one more year where it's called the farmers. I can't remember. It's either this year or next year. Yeah. Okay. Well, Matthew Pavon, Pavon, Frenchman, makes Birdie on the seventy second hole to be the first Frenchman to win a PGA tour event. And I know we have there's you know, the tournament had lots of things going on, but we gotta talk about the final hole. I know you guys kind of watch it as well. And I want to talk about the swing and maybe you guys can kind of talk about, um, you know, how we kind of finished it, the difficulty, but I really want to talk about that third shot he hit at some point. I want to, really want to get to that. Cause I think as a listener, it's a shot that um, takes a lot. And I think actually, before I even dive into it, let's have you guys kind of, or Mike, you can maybe set up the the tournament, how it finished. Um, coming down the stretch here. And I, I do want to dive into that third shot, though. Yeah. Um, you know, I think people people ripped it for not having the big names in the leaderboard. Uh, but it was good golf. 
you know, I think for the first, it's the first event of the year on, you know, what you would call a quote unquote championship level golf course where the scoring is not, you know, super low. Uh, and the, and the rough was crazy thick cause they got a bunch of rain like the Wednesday before or something. So, uh, by Sunday, the rough was super thick, but, um, it was Steven. It was an all international leaderboard. You had, you had Steven Jaeger, the German, Nikolai Hoygaard, who's what? He's uh, is he Netherlands? I think he's from the Netherlands. Or is he Denmark? Is he Denmark? I can't no, remember. no, not I think Netherlands. Netherlands. And then for a while, you had Thomas Dietrich, who's a Belgian, but he he made like a triple on the third round, final hole or something, kind of kicked him out of contention. But anyway, they come down the stretch, and you have a three way tie at one point, and then. You get to 17, which is one of the more famous holes out there. Maybe the hardest driving hole. Tim, do you remember that hole when you played? 17, uh, you got you got to go over the gorge. From that new, they have that new tee where it's kind of tucked back in there, and you got to hit it over the gorge. Yeah, for the pros, you, you certainly pros. do. I, yeah. It, yeah, for, for I mean, it, it, when the rough isn't grown up a ton, you just bail out, right? Yeah. It's not well, that they, big of a deal, yeah. but... Didn't Louis go in the gorge? Louis went in the gorge during the open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you if you if you are a guy that hits a fade, you have to take on the gorge. Otherwise, you're way, you know, you're over by those bunkers and stuff. So they get to 17 and Pavone just stripes one right in the middle of the fairway. Just perfect. I think he's up, he was up two at the time. Um no, he was up one on Steven Yeager at the time. And Hoygaard hits it into the fairway bunker, I think. He was down one, two. And no, he was down two, and Jaeger hits it into the, into the cavern, whatever it is, the, into the gorge. Uh, so he has to re-tee, and he makes a great bogey. Like he hits his, he hits his next one into the fairway bunker, I believe, and then hits the fourth shot to like a few feet and makes bogey. So he was down two, and then Hoygaard parred, but Pavone misses like a. He's on the green in regulation, longer putt, and then he misses like a four-footer for par. So he's going into 18 up one now on Nikolai Hoygaard and somebody in the group ahead. But anyway, they get to 18. Pavone pulls it into the left ferret bunker. 18's a par five with water up by the green. And it's on the lip. So he's got to, you know, he's laying up with like a pitching wedge out of the ferret bunker. Uh, And it's not like, it's not like right on the lip where he can't advance it. He can't advance it. You know, he gets it up over the bunk, over the face of the bunker, misses the fairway. So he's just in this cabbage. I mean, the stuff is deep over there on the left side. So now he's got 150 or so in, which is the Sunday pin there. I guess it was a Saturday pin in this case because they started on a Wednesday. But the final round pin is tucked like right on the other side of the water. And you can you can go deep, but there's a big tier, you know, which leaves you with a kind of a crazy putt or chip coming down the slope. But he takes on the water and, and hits a perfect shot to like seven feet and just bangs in the birdie the birdie putt to win it by one because uh Hoygaard had a birdie in the bag, I think. That if Pavone would have missed that putt, it would have been a playoff. But uh it showed a lot of balls. There was a little controversy that he supposedly possibly stepped behind his ball, you know, to kind of get better club contact between the ball and the club face and not so much grass there. You couldn't tell really uh, clearly, but. Uh, hey, listeners, welcome to cheating with Tim. <laughs> I know it's been a minute. <laughs> you haven't heard any tips from me recently, but boy, did I learn a lot from this tournament. One, uh, jog quickly past your unathletic counterparts to your ball way quicker than they can get up there. I mean, he was 200 yards ahead to trample down all the grass to identify your ball and get a better lie. Two, here's a really big one. I had never thought of this. Let's say you're 100 yards from the green. Pull your three wood out. You don't have to hit it, but use that big old face or that big old body of that three wood to tamp down all the grass around the ball. Hell, he use your driver. Do, he didn't do that. No, but you can. You can legally do that. You can address the ball with any club that I could pull out my putter. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the old uh lab putter back the in and start trampling. Oh, just trampling grass. Just the best lies you've ever seen out of the cabbage. And that's I mean, that's what he did. I, 
Well, like, think of those size 16s just trampling down half the earth. Couldn't really the tell, but yeah, I, who knows? But I think the, the big takeaway there is like he could have easily um, bailed out to the right side of the green, kind of, uh, and you know, and played for par and probably got into a playoff. And then we're talking about a PGA Tour rookie here who's only played, a, it was like his fourth or fifth PGA Tour event in his life. Um, but he took that son of a bitch on. And I mean, he, he did the classic, like, it's kind of like the old tiger swings where he'd like whip the leg through, you know, in the rough, he did the big rip, rip it through there and he stuffed it. It was an unbelievable shot. 95% of amateurs would have probably dunked that thing in the water. Uh, it was a crazy good golf shot. Well, let's break Should... that down. I, I want to talk about the swing. Cause first of all, in order to hit out of something like that, you know, whether it be fescue, whether it be that thick, wet, grass dewy you know stuff whether it be anything that you can't see much of a ball you have to have speed right and so with speed in order to have the most speed that you can get you need to swing fast right and not hard that's kind of there's a difference there where you have a lighter grip to be able to whip through faster but when you swing hard the grip is tighter the club doesn't get through the zone as much when you when you when you kind of grab the club and the reason why you have to have swing a little bit hard and not so fast is because due to the um, you know, that, that grabs your club often, right? That long stuff will gla- grab your club head and pull it a lot of times, or you can top it out of, a, out of there a lot of times. Um, you know, Fessler's always said, you know, when you, when you hit a golf club, it's similar to picking up a hammer, right? You don't squeeze a hammer and try to hit a nail. When you squeeze a hammer and try to hit a nail, you get rid of leg. When you have a loose wrist, you can actually leg leg the hammer and you can hit on the nail and it's kind of with the club like you got to get speed out of there but at the same time it's got to be you've got to actually grip the, the shit out of your club because if you don't the club will can easily grab and pull and a lot of those guys like when you see guys hit out of fescue and like the opens stuff like that the ball comes out low and hot and usually a pull you know because that grass just grabs the club head and pulls closes the face and so when you're swinging out of that you've got to put a ton of not only swing speed into it, but you got to make sure your club face remains still. Like it, it's got to remain square as long as possible through all that thick stuff. And it's a really impressive swing because, well, actually, when you think about it, it's impressive. But at the same time, because it's almost like I don't give a shit swing, you know, you just know you got to rip hard in it. You don't kind of have a lot of thinking to do. It's just, I'm going to, you know, make sure you got, grab the right loft or whatever, but you got to make sure that thing gets over the water. So the most thing you're doing is just ripping that thing as hard as you can, but you got to get through the zone and you got to make sure your club head does not uh, close the, on you. The, the one thing that I'm always amazed at with these guys is the other thing you have to get in that kind of rough is you got to get steep with it. You, you can't do your normal swing. And I've always, I'm always amazed because if you think about when you're out golfing and, and the only time I think the average amateur really thinks about changing those, they don't think about that in the rough. They just swing their swing, but you know, you know when you're in the woods or something, and you got something that's impacting your backswing, and you have to take it up really steep. How you many just times? Move the ball. Huh? Just well, I know you would just move the ball. <laughs> yeah. like. How many times do you usually like top the top? It, it's rarely, if ever, do you get make really good contact. And these pros are, and I obviously there's nothing impeding his backswing, but like you have to cognizantly know you need to be steeper to get out of there, and yet he still made perfect contact and. And you know, hit a perfect shot. So it's amazing. Uh, two two things here. Uh, one, when you when you use your three wood or putter or driver to compact the grass behind the ball, it's just like a tee, It's like you're on a teeing ground now. Yes. Yeah. Make sure because what traditionally grabs is is the hosel, the heel of your club, is what gets it to start to turn the quickest. Make sure that you compact that part of of your impact zone first. Uh, be- second off. There's no way that he spun that that much out of thick cabbagey rough with with a traditional lie. Well, he didn't have to spin though, because there's that huge bank there. It, there's yeah. that big slope. It kind of came down that slope. It's not they, that big. Have that's you, what she said? I've played there but, too. It's it's big enough. They all the pros use it. That's what they all come in off. Like if, if the ones that lay up, they always come in and use that slope to take it down to the hole. How about this, Tim? This is a new this is a new venture for us. Maybe what if what if we invent a golf club? I I don't know. Could this even be legal? 
where it's got like on the hosel like a little razor blade kind of thing so it's just always cutting the rough as you swing through it's just so you never turn over the the club head ever because it's always cutting right through that part i like that as a guy that sharpens his own wedges just keep that <laughs> Keep that hosel sharp too. They do. They have a couple wedges that have these uh, indentations in the bottom that almost give it like micro gaps through the the sole of the club. But I think that's more for sand and st- could still be a good cheating option. <laughs> and I, I was going to say, and and with this guy too. And Mike, you wrote a good article on the fact that this guy's a cross-handed chipper. Yeah. He's, so uh, short game wise too, he's he's kind of you know unorthodox in a way because he does the cross out of chippy, which Mike pointed out in the article. A lot of people have tried it or done it. Um, I'm guessing what is the theory, Mark? Mike, basically, you can't break a wrist, right? You can't uh, flip at it. It's kind of like left hand low putting, you know, where you can't like I like a lot of putters go left hand low so they don't fan it to the right, you know, they don't get too wristy. Uh, it's the same thing with the, at least from what I was reading as to why some of these guys go to, I think it was, I think was, that was a cool or something from Fitzpatrick. You can't like cup the wrist, you know, and you can't, you can't chunk, really can't chunk chip shots because you're left hand low and there's just no cupped wrist action. So these guys do it from like, I think Pavon is kind of the same as Fitzpatrick. They don't go anywhere past like 30 yards. You know, it's, I think it's more for just your standard lower shots and, because if you had to hit something high, if you had to hit some sort of flop shot, you're not going left hand low for that. You know, you want to get that wrist really cupped at the top, you know, there and and get. But like, so it's I think it just has to do with an anti kind of shank, anti chunk swing. And I'm sure he started doing it. Like VJ Singh did it in in 2000, like 15, and he said it was because he learned to play cross handed as a kid. And whenever he was having chipping issues, he would just do it for a week or something. And usually that'd fix it. That'd fix it. So he'd show up to a tournament and chip left hand low. And then next tournament, he'd be fine and chip normal. Um, but I think uh, for all these guys, um, I think, and I put this in the article too, like Matt Fitzpatrick is so data driven with everything he does. His scrambling, his scrambling percentage and... Um. Oh, let's see. There, there were two statistics where he was like 99th and 138th on tour a couple of years ago. And since he switched to left hand low, he is now like fifth and 23rd or something like that or 33rd. So his, his scrambling and things have improved drastically uh, going to this. And you've had a back, you've had a winner two straight years now on tour. That's left hand low chipping. So I, I, I mean, I don't know. There's a couple guys who have, I left it out of the article who play left hand low. One guy was a, journeyman on the corn Ferry tour and another guy was a college all-american at oklahoma a couple of years ago uh they do all swings left hand low but yeah i would assume it's just something that started because he was struggling but he hit it so good it's like you could never see it on tv he hardly ever missed a green so i don't know something to practice something to try at home so left hand low chipping staying on this this conversation point because unfortunately during the florida swing with you guys i left my 60 degree at 24 golf Completely forgot it on the entire Florida swing. So I had to either borrow a 60 or use my 56. And I kept going back and forth with a couple friends of the the podcast. And neither one of them used their 60 for almost anything. All of the chips were done with a 56 or a 54. I go to the 60 for probably 75% of my shots around the green, unless they're particularly low. I'm wondering yeah. what you guys do around the green. Do you do you get out the 60? Because I I flop like there's no tomorrow most of the time, or at least open up the club face a little bit and get under it. Go ahead, Jeff. I don't even think Jeff has a 60, do you? I don't have a 60, so I just I just manipulate what? Yeah, I just manipulate <laughs> open up the club face, you know, make it looking like a 60 and rip through the zone. So um I, if it's a standard chip shot or pitch shot, depending, well, depending on how far away we are, but for up by the green somewhere, I usually use my sandwich 56. Um, but I, I, I have, uh, I have an article in the hopper I'm working on as to, you know, should, should all golfers, at least that, you know, once you get to a certain ability, carry four wedges, which in my opinion, yes. They should, because those are the scoring clubs. 
the, the pitching wedge is a wedge in this case. Pitching wedge counts, yes. Pitching wedge, yeah. gap wedge, sand wedge, sixty law wedge, and, and and it could be like a fifty-eight too. But my, I guess my, and I haven't started doing a ton of research on this yet. But I will, you know, if I write the article, or if I find that it isn't a thing, I won't write the article. But I have a pretty strong feeling that like most of your tour pros carry four wedges, and most oh, of your absolutely, and most of your better amateur players carry four wedges because they realize that. You're gonna you're gonna get way more use out of that extra wedge, you know, from around the green to full swings and having better gaps with your scoring clubs than you are by carrying some five wood or, or you know, three iron that you rarely use and probably don't hit that great. So that's I got that one I'm kinda of working on. But yeah, I have a sixty. Like I just think to me, I would much rather from say a hundred yards or something like that. Know that I can just hit a stock full 60 instead of trying to, you know, muscle slow down, slow down, big dog, 60 from a hundred. Well, 90, you know, 90 to a hundred. I don't know. Like, like, like when it comes to me, I guess my pitching wedge is probably stronger, you know, because it's part of my normal set. You know, it's not like, it's not like my other Volkies. So I have a big gap there. Uh, so pitching wedge at just max, max pitching wedge is 150 club for me. You know, if I if I max it out, that's swinging out of my shoes. Normally I'm normally from 140, a nice smooth one is perfect. But then I go Jeff, down. Jeff, what's your what's your pitching wedge, Jeff? Uh, my pitching wedge is like you know one, on like a nice normal heat summer day, I maybe 140. See, I, I think I'm 132, 135. But see, like, yeah, I'm, I'm saying, you know, elite conditions like that's that's like my max. But I don't swing. I don't like swing wedges hard. So I will always go down one typically. Unless yeah. I'm feeling like the ball's just flying that day. But unless once I get like a max fly, like like uh, Lexi Thompson, and they're just flying off oh. the clubs. But like once I get down to my gap wedge, you know, then it's like 125, you know, sandwich, like 115, 60 is, you know, Roughly a hundred, you know, so I have like full swings a lot more than I would if I had, if I was missing one of those wedges and then you're trying to either finesse something or kill something like, I guess to me, there has to be, and I, again, I will do some research that there has to be more benefit, you know, especially for your players that, you know, are a little bit better, you know, you know, 10 handicaps and below or whatever, there has to be more benefit to carrying four wedges than, than there is to having some random longer club that you rarely use in the bag. It just doesn't make sense that it wouldn't be that way. So yeah, I don't know. I use my 56 Tim to answer your question around the green. Most of the time. Interesting. <laughs> lacking, lacking in hands on this, this podcast. No, I, I, I like the 60. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is, and I think Jeff alluded to this when we were golfing at wild Mars here, my short game this year was really shaky compared to what it's been in the past. Like, to a point where I used to, this is before I met you guys, you know, but oh, I used, us. I oh, used to love, <laughs> oh my God, I used to love <laughs> ripping the 60, like opening it up and hitting it over stuff. And I was pretty good at it, but I've lost all confidence in that shot. Only time I ever did it, like all last year was our scramble at uh, TPC there on that one spot so oh, that that on 10, because then there's like, what, who cares? Like the scrap, nothing's impeding it. I might as well go for it. I used to try to do those shots all the time, you know, but Mike, it's in your name. Yeah, I know. But uh, <laughs> kind that's one thing I need to work on here this spring or winter, whatever we're calling this time right now, because I kind of lost my nerve there with the, with the chipping and some of the short game shots last year. It was pretty bad at times. Yeah, it should be like uh, James Bond, uh, Goldeneye. It's slappers only, flop shots only. Yeah, I, I like going high. If you can. I mean, it just takes... Um, and that's Finesse. the advantage. Of, that's the advantage of the club, right? It takes it. It takes it takes all the weird bounces and hops that you could get with other clubs out of play if you can just if you can just fly it. And listeners, uh, again, thank you for being here. Cheating with Tim. Uh, don't listen to Mike. Carry all the clubs you want. Yeah, three yeah. iron, two There's iron, no two hybrid, day. seven wedges. <laughs> Shit, I got I got a wedge with box grooves on an old fifty six. The thing spins like a motherfucker. If I want to keep it low and like low trajectory in with one bounce. Oh, I money. used to, 
I used to carry for years and I refused to take it out of the bag and I wasn't cheating. My gap wedge was this like ping. I had a 52 degree ping. One of the ones, you know, it was raw, raw. So it rusted. It was all like rusty brown. Um, and there were like no grooves left on it at all. But I loved it. If you were around the green somewhere for the bump and runner, because you weren't going to get any kind of like checkups. <laughs> you just knew it's just going to release and go. But it got to a point where it's like you couldn't anything in the fairway. It was it was like you're hitting out of the rough because there was no grooves left on it at all. So I had to finally retire it and go with the Volky. God, I remember uh, in in high school years back bringing in the old raw wedges, and I used to wet them down a little bit and salt them. I would yeah. put salt on them, get them extra rusty, yeah, a yeah. extra feel. The classic, uh, the Cobra. That was Cobra's. That was the best club Cobra ever made. Was the trusty rusty wedge. Yeah. Well, we can we can save other wedge talks for another day, but I was just going to take a look at you know some of this leaderboard before we move on and just point out a few things. First of all, we got to say you know the Hoygaard, you know Nikolai Hoygaard is here and he is uh, a machine. He's a, he's amazing golfer. He's going to be a problem on the Ryder Cup for years to come. He was on the Ryder Cup this year. He's gonna I think also have a hell of a PGA season. So. Fun player to watch. Um, you know, I think he, you know, his putting is something that, you know, people have, have kind of mentioned, but the guy hits the ball so well. Very modern player, loves to just swing hard and see where it goes. You know, kind of has the, you know, brings the Ludwig kind of mentality, let the thing rip. And, and uh, you know, obviously he's, he, Ludwig's a little bit more accurate the driver, but they are two young players that are fun to watch. So if you're if you're just kind of getting in, just starting to tune in. You know, you're not a guy that watches until the the players or until the masters. If this guy is in contention, take some time to watch. He's a he's a fun player to watch. Good player. Um, yeah, that, that that's. Uh, I was kind of hoping that he would come out with it, just because I think it's a good story. Like this guy's this guy's talented. Here's one, and here's some proof. Here, but, uh, wasn't meant to be. So speaking of the guards, his twin brother. Rasmus um, is really good too. And the Pavan that just won uh, last year at the end, at the end of the DP season. So the top 10 players on the DP world tour get, I think it's 10, get PGA tour, um, you know, membership for the year, which is how Pavan and Hoygaard are on there. Something happened. I can't remember how the story went, but at the end of the year where Pavone had a certain finish and knocked Rasmus to 11th. So he got in and Hoygaard's twin brother got, got bumped out. Otherwise you'd have two Hoygaards playing. Cause they're both really good. Interesting tidbit. The only other guy before I, I, again, we're not, we don't need to go through the whole leaderboard. I do want to point out one more name. You know, there's some other guys that, that finished it. Okay. Fino top 10, um, Shoffley top 10, Ludwig top 10. But the guy that I think we want to keep an eye on just to see if this is going to be a thing, fresh off an injury, the stick man himself. Yeah. The, the most straight take back on a putter you'll ever find. Willie <laughs> V gets a top 13. Is he yeah. back? I mean, he's had some really tough rounds coming back from injury, but playing a course like this. And by the way, you guys don't remember, he was the one that had that putt to win at Torrey Pines, a nice yep. underneath that same pin that Pavone made that little slider on. He was directly underneath that thing and missed it. It's um, I think it actually fits the Zalatoris narrative. Perfect. Because if you remember before he got hurt, he's a big game hunter. He plays well on the big time championship, tougher golf courses. And he's played awful coming back so far this year, but here he gets out. You put him on a, a real true test out there. You know, where where fairways are at a premium and, and the greens are pretty small. And there he was, you know, top 15. That's kind of what he does. With the lab putter, he had the long lab putter like Lucas Glover, and it, the stroke looked a lot better. Um, <sighs> the, the, lab, that, the lab that Tim refused to get, the one that everybody uses. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I, I like the uglier one better. Uh, but speaking of ugly things, this leaderboard, was a disaster for the tour. <laughs> I mean, you've got, and and I'm sure everyone 
that's listening to our podcast probably listens to some others. Some others call these guys the mules. The mules. The yeah. guys that are just around to fill in spots. And you had nothing but spot fillers up at the well, top of this leaderboard. Because everyone's well, gone. Every everyone is everyone is waiting until this week. This week is when the real tour starts. Yeah. It's got and, the, well, it's an we, elevated event. Well, no, I, I'm talking about Rom. I'm talking oh, about DJ. I'm Vegas? talking about Brooks. I'm no, they're, talking they're about Hatton. Hatton's, um, is, Hat, is Hatton playing in Mexico, though? I, I don't know if that's for sure locked up deal yet, is it? I, I don't know, it's but you, rumored did you see that name? Million. Do you see their name? The the Whatever the 13s? I, MS-13s? Or what, uh, there's what Legion 8 or Rom. Legion. Legion. You know, but here's, it, okay, you're right. And, and again, I think the live thing has changed now because they're apparently within a month here. They're going to have, they have, they have, a, what was it? 1.7 billion. I saw today is the projected number The the, the merger is happening. So you, so it's, it's, I guess yeah. you get the end of the live versus PGA tour debate to some extent. Cause I'm assuming you're going to have guys crossing over and playing both, both tours now at some point. Um, has kind of ended, but I don't know. The live guys mail it in too. The stars, Bruce Kepka has some terrible finishes on live, but so it's like, here's my take on it. Yes, there wasn't that much star power on the PGA Tour this week, but again, guess who delivered? The PGA Tour delivered a great finish, just like last week with Nick Dunlap. They're coming down to the wire, and regardless of who it is, I mean, I'm sure, yes, less eyes are on it if less big names are there, but again, live is not given anywhere near the kind of drama that this Pavone shot was out of the rough and everything. Nowhere close, like not even comparable to being. I I failed to see where, where the PGA tour is going right now though, because the last couple of tournaments have been channel changes to places that can't hold the same market. that can't have the same views that can't perform the same advertising dollars. Um, I, I just, I fail to see how this is any different and yes, Mike, you'll argue that the viewership is is different. It is way, but it's any not different even, it's than not even than com- the in the same stratosphere. But at least with regards to the live tournaments, I have the ability to turn them on postemptively and still view them. I have I have less commercial interruptions during them. I, I get continuous viewership of of oh, every event sure. if I go through the live app. And the PGA Tour, even though they've been pushing for all of this money for for, you know, it, the the more sponsors the better, um, you know, trying to to portray themselves as this single unity tour, BS. They they haven't put together a good product this year at at all at all. They've had multiple channels holding down the final rounds for the last few big tournaments it's okay. just it's been hard to watch so the golf has put out good products but the tv broadcasting you're saying has not because the well, golf yeah, says, is the last two weeks the finishes have been great they've been right down what, to the, to the, the finishes the don't end. matter if you can't see them i've barely well, been able can, to watch golf. i watched i watched them all it's not my fault you're too cheap to get to get the stuff you need to watch it no like, i'm not i'm money. not 40 I, I don't have cable <laughs> that's the thing i don't have cable either there's there's I'm lots a millennial of, there's a lot. I of, I'm also a millennial, Tim. Uh, Jeff and I are the are the early we're the OG millennials. You're just you're just following. No, the, no, you're no. Just following the, the us. Cut off the cutoff <laughs> for millennials. Eighty four. What? What the hell is what the hell is eighty two birthdays then? What are we? Gen Xers, baby. We're the, <laughs> Welcome we got, to Nirvana. <laughs> so Jeff, in other words, we got shit on the worst of anybody in history. We got the baby boomers <laughs> and the the baby boomers fucked the society over for everybody, and then uh, the millennials like Tim. Just think we're old, decrepit people. We're just we're gonna shit on on both ends. <laughs> um, you guys, you guys work hard. You so believe I, you believe in some things, I guess. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I don't not agree with you, Tim. I, I do think, um, ideally, with all this infusion of money, wouldn't it make sense that the TV products should be better, like less commercials? You shouldn't, you shouldn't need, um as many advertisements like that, uh, it should be better. I, I actually like some of the live stuff, the way they do the scoring on the side and stuff. I just think, uh, and again, I, you know, it, 
I've softened on this too, like everybody. Yeah, but the product, has, the golf just hasn't been very good. They don't go to very good golf courses for one. I like I like the golf courses. Now the PGA Tour goes to a lot of shitty TPCs too, but the live schedule is terrible. Oh, I, I may have misspoken here, Mike. You might be you might be nineteen nineteen eighty one to nineteen ninety six. What's that, millennials? Millennial. Hell yeah! I told you we're the OG millennials. Oh, yeah. God, we, we, we God. knew we're the OGs. I t- there's nobody. Listen, '90s kids. Oh, I, was, I, was, I was telling someone the other day. There's no better generation than kids that were kids in the '90s. Because hell yeah, the '90s kicked ass. Um, I do have a few things from this. You were growing a involved. beard in the '90s. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's two stories here. Did you see? So Tom Whitney, he's the Air Force veteran guy that top 15. Did you see that? He uh, uses his, he uses his a kind of a interesting story because he was in the Air Force for his he did, he did his service he's older he made it from the corn ferry he uses his his dead brother's dog tag as a ball mark out there um but he he, he had one of the worst putts people think I have some bad putts on Jeff's compilation did you see his like five foot putt that like oh, it was had to be the worst read in the history of the tour it went like. Four feet left of the hole. It didn't move. A, didn't move at all. It was like the worst putt you've ever seen. Um, what do, What are your opinions on that dog tag as a ball mark? I don't. It's, you can use anything you want as a ball mark, other than a poker. Better than a poker chip. I'll put, I'll, I'll, it's I'll, bigger I'll, than a poker. I'll chip. die on that hill. Uh, Pavone had a giant <laughs> poker chip. Don't you see that? He had a big ass ball mark. Uh, the one here, here player, break eighty. We respect our veterans, but come on, that's bigger than a poker chip. That is. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now before, and I'll be on my, I'll be done with this. The one player, if you are listening, that you need to go on social media and find a video of of this guy. His name is Jake Knapp, K N A P P, and he's a young guy. He got T three. You want to see a golf swing that is effortless that generates 190 ball speed. It's Jake Knapp. It was unbelievable. It's unbelievable to watch his golf, his him generate the speed he generates. Um, great golf swing. So if you're looking to emulate a golf swing, his is pretty sick for speed. It's crazy for well, somebody that Tim is. He's five foot eleven. Tim, by the way, Jake Knapp. <laughs> we gotta stop. <laughs> we gotta do that. I I, I have forgotten about. I gotta figure out the research on. So, yeah, I'll I'll put together like a spreadsheet on height, weight. Yeah, a graph of where Tim lines I'm, up. With... I, I'm up to I'm up to 162 ball, Mike. Can that we... is that's 10 past Jeff right now. We got we I are just... we are moving. I I've given up on getting skinny too. I decided um, yesterday, just... looking in the mirror, and I just... think I've got more well, of a Brooks right. Kepka body now. You're coming on the right I'm... side. Of, you're coming to the right side of history there, Timmy. Yeah, come yeah. With, we'll... Come with the big come with the big boys. <laughs> we'll we'll sneak you out of your beer embargo and and get you on the road with me. Well, I'm just do I'm do I'm doing that because I'm a good you know partner at home. Uh, if I'm out if I'm outside of the house, I'll drink beer. Um, <laughs> Jake Knapp walks uh, out back door. Not to not to <laughs> yeah, it's just on, the, on my deck. Not to make you feel bad about your 162 ball speed, Tim. But on 18 at Torrey Pines, uh, Jake Knapp hit 171 ball speed with the three iron. <laughs> from the fairway yeah, yeah. he's he's uh <laughs> he's, five he's foot a professional 11. athlete yeah we gotta we gotta make this chart though jeff it's gonna have all kinds of stuff on just di- lines everywhere it's gonna be like height weight distance <laughs> ball speed and then there's gonna be a tim in there somewhere it's gonna be a metric yeah you <laughs> know that be at, it'll be at the bottom you see like you know rush when you look at like running backs they look at the stats of like rushes per like yards they were supposed to get versus what they got and you can see like a little logo of each guy. Yeah, just a massive cluster up here. Then Tim, just <laughs> just just to have my dot, just make sure there's a cigarette hanging out of it. <laughs> um, well, you guys kind of touched on on you know we we've gotten to live a lot, but we had to touch on the news that Hatton's joining live. I mean, it's a it's a big deal. I mean, he's a he's a good good golfer, great player. Obviously, the one thing that the PGA Tour is losing, I don't know if they're necessarily losing a lot of you know top elite golfers all the time you know a lot of these guys are a little bit past their prime and things like that but they are losing the personalities they are losing the guys that have these personalities or find ways to bring the news to them you know whether it was a patrick reed whether it was you know a brooks or a bryson or a you know now you, you got hatton who was entertaining in his own ways to watch and um you know they're losing that part of it which 
you know, that's what brings eyes as well is the, is the characters is just not the boring golfer that just kind of hits balls and shuts up. Right. Not always fun to watch. Well, if there's anything that can draw me to watch live and they better do this, they have an opportunity now to do something spectacular is he better have a hot mic on him. The whole fucking round, every round, it should be lit up all the time. So you're always, even over the rest of the broadcast, it's like there's somebody else on the other side of the golf course is hitting a shot and, they, and they're talking about it. And then all of a sudden you hear Tyrrell Hatton just going crazy. Oh, there's Tyrrell. Now let's get over there and see what he's doing. And he's throwing clubs <laughs> and shit like that. They have an opportunity here to really like capture that. Cause that that's what people love watching. Like, you know, there's, there's all the old heads that say, Oh, it shouldn't, shouldn't show any emotion, blah, blah, blah. But it's fun to watch you know, when he's blowing up and throwing clubs and, so I really hope that they, you know, nothing will make somebody watch an event at Jeddah more than watching Tyrrell Hatton uh, with a mic on, just swearing and cursing left and right. You know, that's that's still the memory I picture first when we talk about the BMW in, in Chicago was Tyrrell slamming his club into his bag, nearly breaking a wedge, hitting it just over the back of the green. And then rolling in a twenty-five footer for birdie, and just <laughs> looking at the crowd after his his yeah, cussing fit in the fairway, his his angry stroll up the fairway to the green, his mean looks at at all of the patrons watching, and then him rolling in the birdie, and him just shrugging at everyone and going, "Oh, well, on to the next yeah. one." I mean, Jeff's Jeff's spot on with that. He's a personality, and but I, I will say, if you're going to argue great golfers, I I actually think he's really good, but he is. He has not won on the PGA Tour. So if he goes and wins a live event right away, I don't know what that says about, about you know, if does that well, knock he, down? Yeah, he did. He did win. Did he win a tour event? I thought he won. Yeah, Bay. he won the Palmer. He won Bay, he Hill. Bay Hill. Did I'm he pretty sure yeah. he won at Bay Hill. Oh, maybe he did win one. He's got and then one. He was close winning another second time at Bay Hill, but I think he did win at Bay Hill once. Did he? Let me tell you that that sweater is—it's not good on chubby folks because he was not looking good in it. Chest hair popping out of that, but yeah, I. Oh yeah, he did win that one at Bay Hill. Okay. Also, he won uh, the, uh, what event? What year was that? Oh, a couple, just a couple years back. That sweater is five hundred dollars. It's available. It's available in the. Well, it's it's nice. I mean, it's it's cashmere. Twenty twenty, but... he won that event. Is that with no fans? Is that is that like an asterisk win? Yep. So he's never won an actual a PGA Tour event with fans there. <laughs> oh my god, we're just throwing away COVID. <laughs> which will which will which will fit in perfect on live because there's no fans in any of them. So maybe he'll thrive. <laughs> <laughs> um, just us, but, uh, us at Nashville. <laughs> you know. I, this merger is happening that from all we can tell within the next, within the month, they should have something hammered out, uh, which is I'm sure why you'll see like, why wouldn't you at this point take the 60 million or whatever he's going to get and go. Cause you're going to be able to come right back and play on the PGA tour more than likely. So, you know, I'm sure Rom knew this when he took the money. Uh, why wouldn't you? It doesn't make any sense not to, which is also why Rory has softened his stance on it too, because it's going to all be one thing eventually here again. Um, the bigger news, though, is AK. Would AK hit the live scene if they paid as supposedly they were going to pay the $10 million insurance or whatever uh, and have him come to live? But again, they have problems with lit with that then because how they've been trying to get world golf ranking points and all this stuff, you know, and have a, pro- a qualifying process, which they did. They got some players this year that made that, they won that tournament or whatever, the top three. But then you would just add a guy who wasn't golfed in, in a decade and just throw him out there all of a sudden and call yourself legitimate tour. So they have, uh, as I would be all for that too, you had AK, that must watch TV right there, even if it is after Judge Judy. I mean, he's he's winning, allegedly, winning money matches against pros still Yeah, on a, on a bi-weekly basis. Sounds so like he plays, I, a, plays a lot. Yeah, I, I think he's still got it. I think it'd be a really smart play for them. Also... God, what terrible foresight from AK thinking $10 million was enough in this economy to stretch that out where where golf prize packages have gone, where where inflation has gone, to take a $10 million payout on injury. You would have made that off of a, a signing deal four or five years ago. I mean, yeah, he, he has missed out on so much money 
with an injury. We know from from different people, reputable people, that that he's playing well. He could have come back easily. There Hold was, on. Huh? I got to bring this up before we get into too much about the Anthony Kim. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Joel Beal wrote an article on Anthony Kim. Did you guys see it? And I did not read it. I saw there was one. Is it recent? It is an article basically saying that Anthony Kim is not who he think who you think he was. Basically, it's a yeah. folklore of yes, he had the flash, he had some amazing rounds, but if you really dig deep, he's not near the player people act like he is or was. He had a couple moments in time at the Ryder Cup. Is obviously rounded Augusta. Um, but if you really dig deep, he is not anywhere near that people act like no, he, he wasn't was. a, he wasn't a, you know, like a winning phenom where he's winning all the time, but he was a generational kind of get on a heater kind of guy once in a while. Like, like I cannot tell you how many times on Twitter X, whatever the hell you call it now, people were commenting. I can't, I don't understand what the big deal is with Anthony Kim. And I kept I kept copying and pasting the same response. Google the 2009 Masters. You know, it's like he made 11 birdies in one round at Augusta in a major. Like, that's insane. Uh, he, so he's a guy that gets on a bender and goes. But, yeah, you're right. It, he didn't win that much. He's just a fascinating guy with the belt buckle and everything. Well, here's, Yeah, it's, it's all about the charisma, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have six and five. Put on my headstone, Mike. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's it's all about your good round. I think anybody, it is about how it is about not only your game, but just how you. And it's like we just talked about. It's a personality, right? Here's one one paragraph that he wrote. Kim was very good, but he was not great. In 2009, the year he made the President's Cup team, he was outside the top 50 in strokes gained. Injuries certainly hampered his performance, and it's difficult to quantify how much of a broken body he had on results but nevertheless in a full season in 2011 he had just two top 10 finishes in 26 events and the following year he made just two weekends in 10 starts history has kindly buried the mental demons kim battle he had the driver yips and many in the game point to those problems off the tee as a true catalyst for what drove kim into early retirement his name was never synonymous with work ethic and there are few golfers who age gracefully with that in tow and now that brings us to his presence he's now 38 years old and who knows what you know he's going to be able to do when when the lights turn on and it's actually time to golf i don't know if he'll so which is which just brings it back around to i don't know if he'll actually play it might just all be speculation uh but if he does he should have to come out i wish he'd show up with the nike vr red vr pro driver the white pants with the giant belt buckle and it's just like a caveman was just unchiseled from 10 years ago and he has to show back up with exactly what he was playing with like Austin that... Powers when he got <laughs> yeah or Encino man just gotta <laughs> just gotta show up with whatever you got there that belt buckle it cannot cannot ever leave that has to be brought back <laughs> immediately also when do we get insurance on ourselves because I would like to self-insure myself for a good 50 mil and then walk myself into an accidental injury. You have to sort. bring you have to bring that amount of value to something, Tim. <laughs> I I think I bring more than that to the table. Would you do that, Tim, if you could never golf again? Oh, Anthony Kim plays golf all the time. He just, just well, doesn't know, play I'm competitively. If you take that, like the deal is, you just can't play golf again. Ever if you take the money, no more. You're gone. Your clubs are how, gone. How much money? <laughs> ten million, golf? like Anthony yeah. Kim, ten million dollars. Ten mil? I don't know if that's enough because whatever other hobby I'm going to find is going to be way worse for me. I mean, way worse. Tim's going to be out there. It's going to be a fishing guy, the deep sea fishing guy, and then he's they're going to have some big marlin on the boat, and some some little person's going to have to reel it in for him because he's going to claim well. The, all the other, all the other professional anglers are bigger than me. You know, they can't. They have no problem. They have no problem. <laughs> really it's all about size. It's about size. Technique boat. has nothing to do with it. Yeah, the bottom of his boat is filled with cigarette butts everywhere, <laughs> and you can't even walk. It's just a disaster. <laughs> just, just they're all, he's out on the open seas, just crashing into shit with people because he's just on Instagram Reels twenty four seven. Not even, yeah, not even yeah. driving. He's just flipping through Reels, bang, bang, banging into buoys and stuff out in the ocean. <laughs> There's no buoys in the ocean, Mike. Come on. <laughs> 
first off, I don't have the patience for deep sea fishing. I, there's no way. <laughs> and second, the uh, cell phone service isn't going to be good enough for me to send you guys a million reels from the ocean. <laughs> Tim, we sucked you in this week. This wasn't about the podcast. This is an intervention about your reels. For you listeners out there, some of you might not even know what Instagram reels are, but if, if you do know, You've got no one for me. On, there is no human on this planet <laughs> outside of somebody that works for Instagram testing, probably that sends more reels in a day than Tim. <laughs> Nobody. Hey, no, I'm trying to keep you boys up to date. No response back either. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it could be 25 straight reels with no response to none of them, and there's going to be a 26. It's coming at some point. <laughs> My love doesn't need a response from you two. It's coming regardless. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Let's just wrap up with uh, <laughs> <laughs> that being said, we are, um, we just want to talk real quick about the golf show. I think, um, you know, we, we got a chance to do it last year. We, we had lots of fun. I think, you know, in terms of the experience of somebody going to the golf show, I think this golf show kind of offers a lot more. If you went last year, I think you have a lot more to look forward to this year. So if you were kind of turned off of things that you could do there and in options, I think this year has a lot more um, attractions Yes, the Break 80 podcast will be there. We plan on podcasting somewhere between 9 and 10.30 on Saturday and then 10 to 11.30 on Sunday. Plan to hang out a little while. I do have to leave at some point, but plan on hanging out, hitting some golf shots, chatting, come say hi to us. Give us a little bit of, uh, if you can, we'd love to have some audience. Um, you know, maybe do a little back and forth. It would be kind of fun. So if you're going to be around, uh, make sure that you uh, stop by. And then we also have a giveaway. If you are have not have tickets yet, sign up on Instagram. Um, getting away two four packs, so you can b- bring a bunch of buddies. Um, come and hang out. So, uh, I I don't I I don't know. I'm trying to think of some things that I I wrote down on what what's going to be there this year. Some of the attractions. It's gonna there's gonna be more club club fitters. You know, like um club companies. I think a bunch of the major ones are gonna be there. So you can hit some golf clubs, try some things out. They got the uh they're gonna have a simulator going with the 16th hole at the waste management kind of thing, see if they can hit it closer than us, apparently, from what it sounds like. Um, which, you know, it's a simulator, so it might not be that hard to do. Um, but hey, Put us out of the rough. Give us some rough from 150. Yep. See how we do. Uh, so, it's, yeah, it's going to be different than last year. Plus, if you didn't know this, they serve booze. So you can you can walk around and drink, which is always a, a bonus. Yeah, cheers to McShanks, who's going to actually, I think, kind of p- partly putting on that 16th hole, is he not? Yep. 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 And I don't, are, are people going to bring their own clubs? Cause folks, it's a little bit downhill and it's 163 yards. And if you're lucky enough, we can share Instagrams and I'll send you reels <laughs> daily basis. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> if you want a continuous red dot on the corner of your Instagram, just get in contact with Tim. There will yeah, always be a reel done. waiting for you. Now, it's different this year because it's kind of interesting. You know, you, we, we have this golf show and it's like, ah, oh, I'm not really ready maybe for golf yet. Or I'm getting excited for golf. Well, heck, you can tee it up right now if you want. I mean, this is, it's golf season, baby. Let's lock and load. We got, you know, you got some simulators up, but you can play real golf this week here around Minnesota, whether from Wisconsin, Iowa, wherever, Dakotas, maybe you're swinging up from the Dakotas, but uh, yeah, stop by, say hi. Um, you know, we like meeting some people and uh making some connections and maybe we can uh, set up some golf together. To Share some reels. Anything else boys? Yeah. You got your girl dad hat on. We haven't even talked about your big LPGA finish quickly. Oh, duh. We oh, got Nelly and Lydia. Girl dad. So the big football games are on this week and you know, I, I, I watch football. I, I really like football. I'm, I'm big into it, but I just felt like the game was kind of boring. So I flipped it over to the, to the golf channel and, Wanted to kind of see how the last uh, last of the LPA drive on championship was going, and I knew that Nelly had a had a, a four shot lead going in. She hadn't not won in since two thousand twenty two, November thirteenth. So it's been a while. Um, anytime she's kind of had some tough Sundays. Well, starts off with another tough Sunday. I mean, she was like four over and made zero birdies. In fact, did not make better than par until hole seventeen. Um. At that point, uh, I kind of tuned in at the perfect spot. So it was kind of this battle coming down the stretch, and I and I tuned in just when Lydia Ko hit this insane little three, I think it's a three wood cutter 
that kind of wrapped around the water and rolled to like a foot. And it was like, a, it was like three feet away from being in the water. Like it was on edge of disaster for her. Goes out to a foot, tap an eagle. However, Nellie rolls in one from way behind the hole, rolls in an eagle on top of her. So Nellie at that point had not even made a birdie on 17. Um, Poe then makes par on 18. And Nellie from the fairway has to make birdie. And there's this ridge on 18. So like you have to get it over this ridge and then it will naturally funnel to the hole. But if you hit too far, it'll release all the way back and roll over the green. So it's a very touchy where your ball lands kind of a thing. You land it too short, it doesn't get up the ridge. You land it too long, it can roll all the way over and off the green. Um, and Nellie hits this shot. I mean, you could, it, it was perfect. The camera shows her face after she hits it because all of us have no idea what's going to happen. She swings, it shows her face, and she's kind of leaning, and she's saying, go, that's got to fly, that's got to go. So I'm thinking, oh, she just fanned one, not going to make it to the ridge, going to have an impossible putt. It lands just short of the ridge, rolls over the top, and rolls out to an absolute foot, foot and a half. Tap in, birdie. Goes to extra holes. I think they played, they both parred the first time, 18, came back. Um, and then uh, Lydia Ko actually three-putted from like 25 feet. Um, and, and Nelly made par. So Nelly wins, uh, ninth win on the LPGA Tour. First win, I said, like I said, since November 13th. If you remember 2021, she was an amazing player that year. I can't remember how many wins she had, but quite a few. But then she had that blood clot issue um, that kind of put her out of commission for a while. But the, it's fun to see really good golfers get back on top. Nelly, Lydia Cole won last week. You know, she's had her run, too, of, of excellent play. So hopefully these two can battle it out uh, for the entire season. That'd be a lot of fun. So a couple things. First of all, she's three-putted from, what, 25 feet? Something Did like you, that, yeah. I just, I just read an article today. They were talking about the PGA Tour men. And um, this, is, this is all data from 2021 season. A first putt from 33 feet had a make rate of 5.8%. The three-putt percentage was 6.4. So even the pros have a higher percentage of three-putting from 30 feet than making it, which was actually kind of insane because they never show, you know, that you, you rarely see three-putts on the PGA Tour. But um, I just read that and I was like, that's kind of crazy because uh, the exact numbers are staggering like for how people think they should like never three putt you know people get so pissed about one three putt and i'm like well pga tour players do it more than they make from a, a 30 feet um but there's a whole article about like for different handicaps but anyway back to lydia co so the hurt three putting is not that crazy of a thing it does happen um has she so my question with lydia co and i don't think she's listening to this podcast but I am going to email her agent this week and see if we can get her on. We have that. We I have that. I got that email here. Um, is she an underachiever? Like she is going to be a Hall of Famer. What is she? One win away from qualifying for the Hall of Fame. She's a great player, but she was kind of that. Remember a few years back when she was kind of starting out. She was that next like superstar that can't miss. She's so incredible. She's going to be number one for 10 years, like Annika. And then she went on this long drought where she didn't do anything. Uh, and then she's she'll once in a while pop up with a win and then do nothing. It's, so it's kind of a crazy. Like, I don't think her hype was never like Michelle Wee, you know, kind of hype. But I would say she's underachieved, even though she's going to be in the Hall of Fame. See, here's my thing with her. Um. What makes her a great player, I feel like, is, you know, she doesn't have the ceiling of, you know, lots of distance and, you know, can really, like, overpower a golf course and can – she has to be very, very um, dialed in in all aspects of, you know, putter's got to be hot. Um, it kind of reminds me of the Luke Donald run, you know, where Luke Donald was just so good if he had a wedge in his hand he was going to stuff it to 10 feet and make the putt. But that's so hard to sustain. You know, when you don't get the easy always tap-ins because of your distance. I mean, she. I, I just feel like she's 
like this almost like this robot with her wedges and her and her irons and things like that but the sustainability of of winning and being so good at that all the time is very difficult and the ones that have the you know the 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 power and the finesse are going to have so many more opportunities to to score better more more often i think we've all learned that that's part of golf now it's kind of like what's overtaking it. There's very few short hitters that dominate golf anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody is, well, I think the way that the way that the golf swing is taught is bit is changed so much. You know, it used to be back in the day, they would teach, Oh, they got the fairways are the most important thing, you know, nice and swing, nice and easy and hit it in the fairway. And, and in reality, the better way to do it is from a young age to teach these kids to rip it. You know, get as much speed as you can because you could easily dial it back in when you get older or much easier than it is for somebody that's, that's slow, has slow speed, and then trying to gain all this speed, which is much, much harder to do. So I think you have generations of young kids who are just learning to rip it and they they all bomb it. And then they, you know, they end up hitting it pretty straight. One thing I like too about Lydia kind of, but she, she's a shot maker. Like she, she had this shot into, I think, 18 from one point from the rough that she just she choked up massively on this club. Like it was, she choked up a ton and she hit this little cut hybrid, you know, like she just, she has like this just aura about different shots that she can make and create. Um, I just think that, you know, when it comes to like her, her ceiling is just not going to be as high as like a Nelly Corder who's got the distance, who's got, you know, all these other things because she has to be just that much better in every other aspect, you know? So it's, um, Here's my problem with the LPGA tour. And this is going to, this is why it's hard for me to watch sometimes. And this is actually not a bad thing for women's golf. It's actually, this is a, I'm giving a, um, this is a, it's a positive critique of the LPGA tour that also makes it hard to watch. These women hit it so straight off the tee that. There's never that element to me when I watch it. There's never this element of possible disaster because they are ne- they're always in position, like almost all the time. They are so good off the tee that they're always in the fairway. You know, obviously, like Lexi Thompson once in a while gets a little wayward because she has a little more small speed, but it's like they're so good. It's like most of them hit, they hit like 80% of the fairways. Like how much, if you're a professional golfer, can you screw up if you're hitting all the fairways? Like, and that's, and that's kind of the thing with Lydia. She's automatic. Right. And, but like, like, like to be that automatic all the time is very difficult. And that's what you're with your point, Mike. That's why Charlie holds one of the fun. most. Yes. They need, they need for viewership and stuff. You need the Charlie halls and you need the, you need the Lexi, you know, blowing up, missing some putts here. You have to have that because, like you said with Lydia Cole, so much of that tour is like robots. They're all just straight as an arrow. Hit it straight, hit it in the fairway, hit it on the green, two-putt par, make a birdie here and there. There's like no disaster stories. Like you don't see, you don't see, uh, you know, just complete blows like you do in the men's game once in a while because they get in trouble off the tee and stuff like that. Yeah. But I actually love watching girls golf just to get a rhythm. Like I can, I can go out and I can watch like a, a round of women's golf and then go out and play and just feel like I'm just dialed. It's just whatever, just the 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 everything just is in just in sync in sync with each other. Just the swing and the tempos and everything. It's just I like to get in that mindset as opposed to watching like a Bryson rip at it and then just go play golf because it's like I cannot do that. Right? I can't. Well, you could if you could if you tried. I don't know about that. You got, the, you got the basement. You got the basement swing lab. You should be. It should be. You should have a straight up. You got the swing lab. You should, you should have your speed trainers. You should go right to the bench. You got the weightlifting. You can put down there, and then right from there, you could have the HGH and the steroids. You could have this. You could have a whole setup down there in the basement. That's all about power. Maybe that's my next off season. <laughs> so. You well, you call me. You call me when that happens. I'll be over. That's <laughs> him, the drug man. Come on over. He's the guy. You know Tim's like the guy with the trench coat that just opens it up and he's got all <laughs> different options of drugs. Yeah. Like the cartoons back in the day. 
for, for anything that ails you. He's got the all the elixirs. We'll call him. He, uh, he's like the guy oh, back. Oh, in like Jeff, the, you want five miles per hour? I got it right over here in the old trench coat. <laughs> he's like uh, he's like the the con man, like John D. Rockefeller's dad and stuff that have the elixirs. It cures cancer. It cures this. It cures that. I got I got what you need. <laughs> oh, boys. Well, pleasure talking with you. Uh, you know, we're hoping to, we kind of got a few in, interviews we're hoping to line up. We'll kind of save that who we, who who that may be, but uh, we're starting to get, I think you might be sick of maybe our three voices and want to hear somebody else every once in a while. So hopefully we get some more, uh, some more guests on. So that's kind of our goal the next couple of weeks. So anything else, boys? Nope. Hit them straight. If you're out there playing. Yeah. Good luck. If you get out and if you're from Minnesota and you got a tea time, good on you. Enjoy it. It doesn't happen very often. Have, have a good round. Who cares what your scores are? Just be out there enjoying it. Uh, so Hopefully you get a chance to, to shoot a 79 or better, but if you don't, remember that's not always the fact that the difference between 79 and 80 is everything. That pretty much always. Maybe today's the day I break 80. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80.